All right, all right. Welcome to another episode of Uncomfortable, the podcast, where I am your host, Greg Newbill. <laughs> and today we have a special guest. We have Miss Nicole Ham. Hi, happy to be here. Let's see, make sure I press the right one. <laughs> all right. So also, um, the music that you hear is smooth jazz, which I love, and I um, don't have the right step music, but uh, it's just something that I love to hear. So with uh, uh, Uncomfortable, we are here not to change your mind, only to open it. So with Nicole here, uh, I've known her from yoga class, and one question I always wanted to ask her, why you always try to kill me in class? <laughs> Well, it's not even trying to kill you. It's trying to challenge you, right? Challenge your physicality, challenge your mentality, and challenge the emotional space that you're in. I think that's one of the biggest things that I've learned about not only teaching, but taking this practice is you've got to get uncomfortable, yeah, <laughs> right? Right. To, yes. to create yes. new things and to reach new heights and new limits of, of yourself and the things that you're up to. Right. And so um, with that, um, she's an excellent teacher, by the way, uh, people. So if you don't know or you haven't tried yoga out here in the Jacksonville area, she teaches uh, at Embody. That's the studio that we go to. But recently, she just ran for a city council here in District 4 uh, in Jacksonville. So the reason I really wanted you on here was to find out your experience with that. I mean, I got a taste of it, you know, helping a little with your campaign and stuff, but not much that, as I wanted to. But what was what was some of the, the things that you took away from running with, running for office? Hmm, that's a loaded question. <laughs> Um, you know, my biggest takeaway is that you're so much stronger than you can ever think that you are. And if you have the desire to do something, it's going to get done. And even though I didn't win my race, I have now created a platform to speak and to advocate and to put the pressure and connect with elected officials, with people in power with businesses, with nonprofits, with, you know, citizens. And that's just as important as being in a in city office. council seat. Right. It's like, um, like when, um, uh, take for instance, Stacey Abrams, when she didn't win the governor, you know, didn't win governor of Georgia, you know, she became behind the scenes. She almost became more powerful with, get, you know, getting people out to vote and so many different aspects of, uh, what happened in Georgia on the political scene. So, and I see that with you online, the, a lot of things, because you're part of the what, Rotary Club, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, so many uh, other different things. And when Sharif and I had our conversation, uh, we, we uh, noticed that there are a lot of Black women in power. And, that, and right. we said, that's a good thing. And because you look at Baltimore, uh, Chicago, uh, Atlanta, and so many black women are mayors of these, of these cities. So, um, and we see you, uh, going even further 
you know, we, <laughs> we, we definitely see that. And uh, so, but going back to, you know, you know, running for office, what were some of the things that you wouldn't do again? What I wouldn't do is try to defend myself. I, I think that we kind of, it's a distraction, right? It's a distraction of I'm not this, or I'm not that when at the end of the day, those that have seen you or talked to you or know you know what can differentiate for themselves. People aren't stupid, right? Right, right, right. (laughs) People are not dumb. And, you know, me trying to defend myself almost kind of made me seem like, you know, I, I was trying to fill a void that didn't really exist. So I I wouldn't go back and defend myself. I think that anybody that has, you know, follows me or looks at me or or reads the things that I write or hears the things that I say in various meetings knows who I am and knows that where I stand on many issues. did, Did that hurt your feelings? I think it did. It hurt my feelings in a way because this was a realm that I've never entered before. Right. I was always pretty well liked as right. an individual. Right. I didn't haven't really made many enemies. enemies. Right. So to have somebody coming at me with blatant lies and disrespect was absolutely painful, but also it also pushed me to notice and tap back into what's real. So what's real and and what's true about myself is that I'm strong, right. <laughs> that I'm powerful, that I'm passionate. And that I care about real issues and have real ideas and real plans that are going to make this world a better place. Right. But, okay, take for instance, you know, when you said you had to defend yourself, do you think that actually came from your opponent himself or was it his people on the campaign that tried to, you know, put stuff out there? Because I think one of the things was um, that you were part of, uh, what was it, Antifa or something like that? And, and I, like me, I don't even know who Antifa or what they stand for. I have no, I've seen them, you know, protest or do this. Don't start, Randy. Um, but I have no idea what their platform is. So how does, you know, do you think that was from him or his people? I believe that various groups and people have things and interests and people that they want to protect Mm -hmm. or that they want to have in these positions and that they will do things to make sure that they are in those positions and in those roles. I'm not going to say that it was him or any of his people, but there are external things that, you know, may have been working to make sure that he was the elected person for that seat. Right. And, and like you said, and then you started yours basically, not basically, really from grassroots, and you got it to a runoff. And that shows that if you put the effort in, you definitely can get things done. So what was the other question? It was just, uh, it was, I had a whole host of questions for you. Um, are you going to run again? That's one thing I want to know. Are <laughs> you going to run again? You. <laughs> it's not a yes. Okay. It's not a no. Right. We are evaluating what type of opportunities are available and what would be a good fit to best benefit the city. So when we look at that and we look at the playing field, it's a strong possibility that I'll run again. Right. Because Jacksonville, I feel Jacksonville is definitely growing. Mm -hmm. And you and I have had this discussion 
So now this is the part where we get a little bit more uncomfortable. We had this discussion on the south side of town all the way out to the beaches and the surrounding area, Ponte Vitra. All the money we see, they have the money for living good, shopping good, and everything in between. But when we go up north a little bit on the north side of town, everything seems to be missing. Seems like the money just, the money stops as far as uh, the way we shop, the way we live, uh, the way the children go to school. And with my, um, when I took the job at Frito-Lay, and I think I told you, and delivering out there, the stores and everything that was shopped in, that were the little stores that were where most of the black community shopped at, weren't black owned. They were owned by people from overseas in Ethiopia. How can we make that right for people of color who want to be in business? So I heard it described perfectly from a colleague of mine and Jacksonville doesn't have a resource problem. Jacksonville has a clarity problem. So define that for me. Sure. And I say that to say that there's a lot of opportunities to do well in this city, Okay. but they are not presented to who they need to be presented to. So there's a clarity misstep there. And we also have a lot of organizations not focus on the education piece, Okay. of that and just giving. So here's 10 grand, go open up your business, but we're not going to give you an accounting class. Right. We're not okay. going right. to walk right. you through and give you a mentor in business. We're not going right. to do these other things. We're not going to tell you who to surround yourself with to make sure that you're in compliance and can do all these things and what self-sustaining means long-term. So we just kind of have a, a clarity problem. And I think that first and foremost, we've got to kind of tap back into educating the communities of Jacksonville if they want to be educated. That, that's my point. If they want to be educated, how do we do that? How? Well, I, I, I don't think it's a how. I think it's a matter of why aren't we? <laughs> you know, okay, if you go to any part of town, you talk to anybody coming out of any type of store and you say, if there was one thing that you could create in the city, what would it be? Somebody's going to give you an answer. Yeah, that's true. If it's their gym, if it's their, they want, you know, safer schools, they want affordable housing and they want this, like there's ways to begin to create that. And I think that we also have to be mindful about, it's not just having businesses that exists, it's also teaching people how to invest in those businesses. You can have a slew of minority-owned, women-owned, veteran-owned businesses, but if you have a Target, Walmart, and Publix down the street, and that's all people know, no, right. that's where they're going that's to they're go. Going right. Right? And we're not and we're not giving people the tools and the education of marketing, of finance, of business planning. And you know, the Jack Chamber has a great incubator program now, but we need more of that. We need to be talking to people that are in school. You know, right. I, I, there's no reason that a 16-year-old can't own a, own a business. Hold on, uh, folks. Brandy, stop. We're doing something. Oh, <laughs> that's my little two-year-old puppy. Well, my wife's puppy, our puppy, but she wants to play ball. But that's that's the that's a what you said about business, and that's good. But it's a lot to learn. And somebody really has to be focused 
to want to take it that far because it's not going to happen overnight, you know. And I think that's one of the one of the biggest issues with some of the younger generation now, thinking it may happen overnight. Well, some things do ha- happen overnight, but as far as establishing us, uh, getting a foothold, building a foundation for those business. But when I look at the business. <laughs> Thank you. When I look at the businesses in, uh, what was that, off a of golf fair, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> you had about five or six stores in a row that sold exactly the same thing. And and the target was the black community, was the, was the black community. And, and you know, the term was, there's no money in the black community. Well, why are y'all setting up shops? in the black community because uh, those two to $3 for those chips, sodas, and all in between, that adds up and they depend on that. But my point is, how do they get to establish that in those communities when we can't? That's, that's, I, I just don't under, I don't understand it. You know, people come from, and I have no, I have no problem with people from overseas establishing business and stuff like that. But how do they get the breaks to come up here to open up a liquor store, open up a food store, a, a little food store, anything like that? And, and like I said, the stores have a lot of rats, you know, uh, this and that. But it's our people that shop in it. But, you know, when you come over here, you don't see that. Well, I think it goes back to basic economics, right? There's everyone has their their place in the workforce and i think that's another thing we can't keep elevating business owners and forget about the finance person and we can't keep because ele- they're essential to the work too construction's essential right. all of that's essential but also knowing that the difference is is they're identifying a need right there's a lot right. here right you go to yes. the east side the north side northwest quadrant there's not a lot and so the need is more bodega like uh, stores, more things that, uh, you know, like essential items um, rather than, you know, all the other things. Cause you've got Walmart, you've got all those other things that you need. So it's really just, and again, that's education. How do you identify your market? Yeah. How do you identify it? And what does it look like? Because it's a, an extremely smart idea to set up a corner store on the, on the East side, yes. North side, side of town. Yes. It's not that smart on the South side of town. Right. So it's really just an education. And, you know, I really think that it should be part of a business curriculum is how do you look at a market and identify where you're going to create the best elevation? Because you can have the best invention, but if it doesn't serve that demographic or that market, you're not going to go anywhere. Yes, that is so true. That is so true. But like I said, I think with the environment, that some of us are in, you know, people of color and they don't see any way out. And how would you, and there's so many smart people, everybody is smart. And, you know, some people just don't have that opportunity. How can we get that information to these young entrepreneurs or want to be entrepreneurs or even just learning how to manage money? And, I don't think it's, I'm, well, I haven't been in school forever, but I, I, I don't even think it's being taught in school. It's not, it's not. 
it's I, I hear what you're saying and I think that we one have to acknowledge that consolidation did a number on what Jacksonville looks like and how it exists today. Right. So we're still recuperating from 50 years of consolidated government with unbroken promises, uh, with broken promises, Honestly. unfinished projects, and a blatant disregard for communities of color. And again, that is shown in our schools. Yes. That is shown in the you know surrounding environment. We don't have an incubator program on the east side. No. You know, we've got, I know, scores down off of Bay Meadows that helps people with businesses for free. And you've got other things. So, again, it goes back to we have these resources. Why are we not placing them where they need to go or where they're most needed? Or, you know, why are we not providing the opportunity for them to explore as they're growing and matriculating through right. the public school system? And that's a tough one, too, because I'll be the first to tell you I was great at standardized tests, but I hated them. I thought they were a waste of my time. Okay. They were a waste of my time because I could be sitting up here wanting to learn about something completely different, yeah. but you're trying to figure out where I stand on some type of scale. And my intelligence has nothing to do with my drive to understand something and get it done. True. So, you know, again, we, we do a lot of focus on this is the curriculum. This is what we get. and. <laughs> We have teachers that some teachers that are by the book and thank God for those that are challenging and pushing the limits and providing children those resources. But again, I'm not a teacher, but what does that look like on the teacher training part right. of it? Like, are they learning about what Jacksonville has to offer? Is there some type of teaching incubation program that if your student's interested in this, point them in this direction? You know, you don't know what you don't, you don't know. know. Right, exactly. And that is the cycle that we have to continue to try to break. And I also, even being on the side of town, I always tell people, don't forget where assistance is needed, right? Yeah. People get, at, you know, no shade. And I, I don't think this about everyone. I'm one of those people, but we get to the other side of the river and, you know, it's like, well, we've got everything we need right here. Right. It, but like, I, I volunteer out east and I work with organizations that are doing this work, like Live Jacks and the Jacksonville Urban League mm -hmm. and all of those organizations, because that's where it's necessary. Are people wanting, are people hungry for that when you go to volunteer or, you know, to help them out? Are people willing to accept help? People are, I think, are willing to accept help, but I also think that everybody does things on their own terms. Yeah. And if the help you're offering doesn't serve them in that moment, they're not going to take they're it. They're not going to take it, right? You know, or if you're pushing an idea on someone that they that they don't want to work through, that's that's just what it is. And you we we don't do a great job as a city of meeting people where they are and that's the problem everybody has ideas of how to fix things but no one actually goes out and says what do you need mm -hmm. and how can i help you get there and that's the issue right. that we keep having and we keep wanting to create all these programs and do all these fundings right, but right. is that the answer is that the answer is that the answer but do we know the answer because no one's going out and doing a survey you know we want to solve the murder problem, but when's the last time the sheriff and the mayor went out to out east and, and walked the streets and saw what it looks like? Because, right, when was the last time? But, gosh, there's so many questions 
and there's a lot of answers, but trying to make those two meet, that's, that's the problem because um, when I was talking to Sharif, when people on the South, <clears throat> on that side, how can I explain this? I think I explained it. When we get hungry or when they get hungry, I'm not talking about food hungry, but wanting better things in life, they will cross that bridge to start in, uh, coming into these neighborhoods or whatever and start, I don't want to say robbing it. I don't know. How am I trying to word this? I don't want it to be bad, but when you're hungry and you want things out of life, sometimes people just take it to that next level. And for me <clears throat> to, to get away from that, we, we need to do more, like you said, out in these communities to show them there's better, there's other opportunities where we can do better and make our lives a lot better. But sometimes I just think, like you said, for the mayor or the sheriff to go out into these communities, they don't want to. I, I personally don't think they really want to, or I think they don't care because it's not happening to them in their communities. So I don't know. And to me, it's frustrating as a, I'm, I'll soon be 58 this month. And I've learned a lot, you know, traveled overseas, seen a lot of things. And really, I didn't really notice how bad race things were until I was in my, I would say 30s or 40s. And now I look at it from a race, from a, from a, from a view of racism and economic racism. Yes. And to me, that's more disheartening to see that and to know that some things are not given to us based on the color of our skin. <laughs> and that yeah. really hurts me to the core. And I mean, I, I'll be the first to tell you there was, my entire life, my mom always said I had to be twice as smart and three times as fast. Right. Always. 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 Because there was a system of oppression that has been structurally designed to oppress people of color. And that's just the fact of the matter. There is no other way to describe right. it. There's no other way to sugarcoat <laughs> it. The fact of the matter is systemic and structural racism exists. exists. And unfortunately, in the city of Jacksonville, we've been way, way, way behind the times that we're just now getting to point where we're even being able to identify it and break it down and try to fix it. And Excellent. But when we talk about it, or say it, then the people be like, oh, here we go with this again. You know, everything's fine. And it's not. You know, that's the frustrating thing to me when when other people don't want to hear it. But we've been hearing it or experiencing it for 400 and something years. That's why I don't care when they say they don't want to hear it. I just keep talking. If I have to keep dealing with it, you have to keep hearing it. Right. <laughs> it, 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 right. Like the saying goes, imagine... You're tired of hearing about it. We're tired of living it. That's the point that, you know, and I I know I've lost a lot of friends and it really, I lost a lot of friends from 2006 on when President Obama, you know, when he first jumped on the scene and 
you know, then he won his two, two uh, terms in office. But, and I was telling a friend of mine who was against it, a, a, a dear friend of mine, I said, Will, I said his name. I said, Will, you have to realize this guy is our age. This is our time where we're supposed to be uh, a president uh, during this time frame. He's like, you know what, you're right. Because so many years before, it was almost like him running for office. I mean, hell, he still had it, but he was articulate, he was smart, and he's a family man. But he was still, gosh, he would, you know, it was just like, what did they say? He's a Muslim. Like, is that supposed to be a bad thing? You know? And everything was thrown his way at him and his wife. His wife for not having sleeves on or whatever. And, uh, you know, it's to me, that is, racism just turns my stomach. It absolutely turns my stomach. So, okay. What were we saying? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just, I just think for this world to be better, give the opportunity for people who want it and we deserve it. I mean, because 400 year, a 400 to 500 year head start is a hell of a jump. And when I drive around and deliver to these other golf communities and all of this, and I don't see us out there, you know, people my age group or younger, your age group. And it makes me think, do they even want us out here? And I would say no. <laughs> so I, I do a lot of um, events in the nonprofit world. And mostly each organization does a big fundraiser, a big gala mm -hmm. or dance or whatever it is. And I remember I had invited a girlfriend of mine to join me at like one of the second ones that I was on the committee of, it was like the second mm -hmm. year of me going. And she was like, there's no black people here, but us. <laughs> 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 and, you know, I, I've really tapped into philanthropy because it matters that nine times out of 10, the demographic that they're serving either mm. a looks like me right, right. <laughs> or B is closer relatable to me than the person that is giving the assistance. Right. Um, and also, you know, being a younger donor, being a younger board member on these organizations, it's important that we begin to approach things in a different way. And again, that structurally can be slightly racist, right? If right. you don't have you don't have the capacity to write a 5k check you're never going to be invited to that event right or you're not going to be able to afford that 250 dollars event ticket to even support the organization or therein therefore and we have to do better about amplifying small donors we have to do better about making sure everybody feels like they're a part okay. rather than these exclusivities and that's a culture that has been creative of exclusivity of oh i'm in this mm-hmm Right. And I'm this, and right? I'm this. Like right. because right. of right. that label and because of that, uh, you know, quote unquote social status and what it could hold on a resume or, you know, in an interview or, or whatever that is. And 
we also have to understand that everyone has their passions and everyone has their things that fire them up. Yes. And for me, it's food insecurity and poverty and, and, and women's and human's rights and social justice. social justice. So those are things that I align myself with. And for other people, it's other things. And mm-hmm. structurally, those are going to look very, very different. Very different. <laughs> so, you know, think about some of the, the biggest donors and contributors um, of different organizations. The board of the NAACP is going to look real different than the board of the American Heart Association. Association. Yes. 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 <laughs> but again, black men and women are more at risk of heart disease, disease. heart attack. Yeah. My grandfather had a triple bypass. I do cardio once a week just to make sure my heart's intact. Right. But that board, the way it's been structurally developed, yeah. has been on a different set of pages than the NAACP. Okay, hold that thought because we got we're running out of time for this first segment, and we're going to continue with that. But the next segment is of course music. So people stand by for the next segment and we'll get back with you on the other side. All right. We're back for the second segment of Uncomfortable and our conversation with Miss Nicole Ham. And we left off uh, with people who are on the boards of these different organizations. And you were saying, if you can remember. Yeah, saying that we have to get more representation in all areas. And I think that's important for everyone fighting this fight to realize that. Stop. Unfortunately, or no, not unfortunately. Fortunately, everybody has a place in the revolution. And some people need to be in the boardrooms. Yes. And some people need to be on the ground. On the ground. Some people need to be in the warehouse. Yeah. And some people need to be in the corporate office. But if you're fighting the fight and the mission is still the same, where you're supposed to be is absolutely wonderful. And I, I think it's essential that we highlight and elevate that just as much as we highlight the people taken to the streets. I went to a protest this afternoon before I came here. Oh, really? um, To protest the uh, House Bill H-1B and Senate Bill 484, which is, you know, basically an anti-protest bill. They're trying to, you know, dilute peaceful protesting. And so I went out there, but you'll find me in oversight committees and you'll find me at board of director meetings and you'll hear me speaking up as the only black woman that works in my office about this, these things. And all of those spaces are important. All of those spaces are essential because it builds a bench for who's coming after us. Right. That foundation, that foundation, foundation. The we, yes. I'm, I'm sick of saying first, yes. you know, I think it's beautiful and, and wonderful, but this should be, the norm by now. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> I shouldn't be the first black madam pre- female right. president of this. I, right. I don't need to be the youngest black representative of this. Like it should just be that. It's Nicole Ham. It's and- Nicole Ham, and that whoever comes after me is going to be just as powerful, if not more, God willing, and and create all these other things. But from boardroom to streets 
to office, to warehouse, to wherever you are, keeping the revolution, keeping the fight in mind, you're going to be successful. You're going to be successful in in pushing that envelope and, and just pushing progress just a little bit forward because that space, if it wasn't occupied by you and was occupied for somebody else, yes. they'd be pushing their agenda. That's true. So I'm going to rewind the clock, rewind the clock a little bit. Lot J. <laughs> you had a big role. I think you did because you definitely voiced your opinion on social media about what, what was Lot J? Explain that to us. <laughs> so Lot J was a project or a deal that was done with the mayoral administration and our NFL team owner about development in that area that is currently considered Lot J. Um, it, not sure if you're familiar with how the downtown stadium works, but each lot is assigned a number. So then when people go to the stadium and park, they've got, you know, their parking pass for lot A, C, J. Right. Um, Lot J is closest to kind of the riverbanks. Yes. um, And, you know, you've got WJCT, you've got the breweries, you're you're right off of um, uh, Gator Bowl Drive and and all of that stuff. So they wanted to create this entertainment district in lot J. Well, sounds great. Right. The devil's in the details when it came to financing lot J. And essentially taxpayers would be on the hook for, I want to say about $65 million um, to Shad Khan, who's obviously a, a, a billionaire. Yes, yes. And um, also with very little tax incentive or ownership from the city. So we're putting money in and not getting anything out. out. Okay. So that was the original bill, right? Council worked through it, you know, um, shout out to Randy DeFour coming from a development background. She dug her foot into this of what this should look like to benefit the city. And, um, you know, I wish we had a little, some more accounting, finance people on council, but we'll get there. Um, Because when you looked at the math, the math wasn't mathing. (laughs) The math wasn't mathing. Okay, okay. And um, so, you know, there was votes about a bread box loan. There was, uh, you know, amendments about what happens if this falls out. You know, there was talk about why haven't we seen the pro forma? We, you know, talked about, is this really going to look like we say it's going to look like? You know, we had to look at the environmental impact because the, you know, the, that area would need obviously testing, um, okay, you know, yes. because environmentally it just hasn't been taken care of in the best way. Right, right. So there were all of these aspects to the deal that kept getting shot down. And the flip side of it was, this is going to make us a lot of money. I mean, look at these other, look at Kansas City, look right. at... St. Louis or wherever, look at the work that they've done in other places and how it's going to benefit our community, our local businesses, small businesses, et cetera. Right. Well, I heard that. And so I I did a little bit of digging myself and the math still wasn't mathing. You know, there was not a plan from the developer about, well, there was a plan about how they were going to incorporate small businesses, but not enough to sell me. It was going to be for the... 
the rich getting richer. Well, basically. yeah, they're like, oh, you know, we're going to create this partnership with the East Side and the local businesses, not going to drive them out. And I was like, oh, okay. Right. Um, you know, we're going to use intuitions, brew or whatever. Yeah. Great. Um, but it's just still, it, 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 you went after the study. It didn't sit well with the rest of the city, but you still had council people pushing, pushing it. it. Right. And so I did a couple of public comments. I wrote quite a few letters and I got a lot of feedback on my personal opinion. And I put a statement out on Instagram right. and Facebook about how I felt about it. And the whole thing was just extremely rushed. A lot, of and a lot of conflict of interest, okay. a lot of going around DIA, a lot of uh, an unclear return on investment. And, you know, a lot of people were not against Lot J. I am not against developing Lot J. Okay. What I am against is rushing through the process and taxpayers rushed, and right. residents getting the short end of the deal. Right. And it was almost like they refused to take their time. They didn't want to wait until you know january they wanted to push it through by the end of the year they wanted to do all these things instead of just taking step by step yeah. by step in a transparent way and in an influential way and, and one of the things that absolutely bothered me was you know this ploy of using young people almost like a pawn well the uh, young people want this right right they were right. they they don't have a place to go and it's right. like you're correct. And I would love that. Right. Like I wanted to be my older friends that I saw when twisted martini was down at the landing. Like that looks like a blast, but I wasn't right. old enough to enter, right. but you know, like I would love something like that, but I also want to be able to buy a home. Right. I also want to be able to be able to afford to do life the way that I want to. And if I'm on the hook and paying somebody else's bills, I'm not going to be able to do all that. So it, it sounded like, well, which it was, a lot of big money was expecting it to just go through so they can go ahead and have their little cake and eat it too and forget what everybody else was like the smaller people but not smaller people but people like us was like okay no like you said the devil were in the details and mm -hmm. nobody i don't think they were expecting anybody to look at the details yeah i mean you know they said we're gonna get a, a dollar uh, ROI and then the council auditor did an analysis and that yeah. was not the ROI. And so it's just kind of like, you know, if we're going to put money out, right. we've got to be making money back. Right. That's basic accounting. Right. Anybody, I don't care if you've never went to school, you know, you don't give somebody a dollar and get 20 cents back. back. Right, right. That's not the way it works. Right, right. So it's just, and, and again, those are just little things that have to be worked out. We already had an issue with public trust from JEA and the mayor doing backdoor deals. Right. So, you know, this should have been the, this could have been a huge stepping stone for him to say, this is a project that I see that we can work with and that shot approached me about. And I want all this community and all the council members involved so we can get this done and really amplify Jackson before I get out of office. This would have been such a high right. to, to go out on amidst this JEA scandal. And I think it was a missed opportunity for his administration and political career, but also just, it was a missed opportunity for citizens to feel like they could trust their government again. To me and people, people just don't trust government, right? And I brought this up um, earlier, people my age, and we see the older people in Senate seats and, uh, you know, congressmen, congresswomen, and all that, and they're old. Mm -hmm. Okay, they're old. 
we have our time. That's right. Get out. We did right. <laughs> exactly. With all due respect. Uh, with all due respect. <laughs> our time has passed. And I you know, these people who have the people of color, black men and women who have fought against civil rights and all of this and who are in office, yes, thank you. But now let the people in their thirties and forties get us to where we thank you for getting us here. Now it's time to pass that baton on and let these progressives get in here, help change these laws, get better deals for us, for everybody, where everybody can succeed. Because right now, you're collecting the paycheck. And, you know, like I said, with all due respect, but now it's time to move on. And I don't care if you're Democratic or Republican, you know, or independent. It's time for you. It's time for these people to move on because right now the world is moving in a total different pace. And I see that here in the United States and I see that overseas. A lot of people aren't going for this uh, uh, human rights violations, you know, and they shouldn't be. Women can't do this. Women can't do that. Why not? What, you know, the, the weirdest, the craziest thing I ever heard was a woman can't be a preacher or a woman can't be a president or anything like that. And I'm like, well, if she has the qualifications, why not? What what difference does a mind make if it's uh, a man or a woman? It makes no difference to me. And, but to some people it, it, it does. And, you know, unfortunately, those people are still in power. Exactly. And the world looks a lot different than it did, you know, 40 years ago. Yes. And I think that that's what we saw a lot of this summer that was amplified is, you know, I really refer to fondly the summer of 2020 as the summer of reckoning. Yeah. We reckoned with race. We reckoned with rights. We reckoned with opportunity. And, you know. We needed 2020 that we, we didn't want it. it. But we needed it. We needed it. it. We yeah. needed it. That was and, a wake-up call. And we need pe- people in leadership that understand that nothing, society doesn't work unless it works for the people. Right. If it works for you, wonderful, great. Doesn't right. work for the people, it, it, you can't you can't do it right. you know society was founded to support to the people it's going to come back to you either way the people will always have the power right a period like big dot at the end the people will always have the power and that's what you're starting to see in a lot of these races these congressional races yeah. these local races of people community rallying behind a person because they know they're going to do the right thing they're not going to be swayed bought or bossed and and thinking and going to that and i'm and um i said this this voting laws that are coming out now was not a problem until black people showed up and showed out at these voting at the not only for the president but for congressional seats uh, senate seats i'm sorry that's when it became a problem. Now they want to make laws like you cannot give people water or food in line. And the most, and then they try to say it's not racist. And the thing that gets me, Nicole, that makes me so absolutely mad is when I see a person of color standing up there 
clapping against something that's against them. That is what drives me absolutely, excuse my language, batshit crazy. Well, like let's 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 break let's unpack that, right? So yeah. everybody, every um supervisor of election, every secretary of state said that 2020 was the most secure, secure. election that we had. Yes. Yes. Beta, bottom line is Republicans didn't like the result. They didn't like So the they're going to make voting harder. Right. What do we have to do? We have to absolutely fight back. We have to yes. find the loopholes. We have to sue their tails off. We have to prepare ourselves for what we need to do, whether that's, you know, increasing vote by mail, which is becoming its own dramatic yes. legislature in the Florida House, which uh, I can't. Um, you know, or, you know, increasing voter registration efforts, which we need to do anyway, because yes. for every person that is impacted by that bill or turned off by that bill, we need five more people to yes. actually vote yes. to, to make up that one lost yes. vote. And it just baffles me that this is the priority of the Republican Party yes. when there are people that are still unemployed. There are kids that are failing behind in schools because they don't have the necessary support, whether that be broadband resource, you know, a home life resource or, you know, a, a t educational yeah. resource. After school things for them. Right. Yeah. Yes. We're right. literally falling behind because of this pandemic and that's no one's fault. But instead of making the priority, trying to make lives for where people are a little bit easier, we want to prepare for the future and make things hard. Harder, and right. that's just absolutely unimaginable to me because we've got people that still haven't gotten unemployment. It's ridiculous. Still haven't gotten unemployment. We have a governor that doesn't want to take money to provide Medicare and, and benefits for the state. Like, right. what are we doing? Like, why are these our priorities and I don't care what color you look like, what race, what age you've been impacted by this pandemic. Yes. Oh, definitely. Yes. And the problem is instead of having leadership that cares about how you've been affected, we have leadership that's trying to set themselves up for the next, next big political yes, fight yes, yep. to get ahead. Yep. And, and that's the problem when we keep it. And I, I will say it until my very last breath. I don't care if I'm even the president of the United States. Your local elections matter. matter. That's, that's the big issue because everybody used to just like, I'm going to vote for the president. No. Yes, do that. But your local elections mean up more. Up and down the ballot. Up and, and down. down. Fill yes. the thing out yes. on the front all the way on the back because it doesn't matter who's at the top if they can't get anything done. And then you've got a house, a state house and a state Senate that want to push back on what's going on up in D.C. Yes. And then you're affected right here in your local town. Or if you have a mayor or a, a city council that wants to sway your life one way or the other. Yes. It's gosh, there's so many things that we need to that needs to be put out where these this generation after you, you know, your generation now and generation after you need to realize that. The local elections matter big time. And like you said about the foundation, and I keep this, this is something that drives me crazy too. For people of color, for the foundation, and maybe because we don't understand or whatever, but our foundation, we build from the top and try to build down. Mm -hmm. 
you know, we buy all these Nike shoes and stand in line for these Nike or the Jordans that come out or, you know, when it's tax time, excuse me, people, but I know I, I always harp on this tax time. You know, we go out and buy this. We go buy that. These companies are gearing up for your money. Red Lobster, uh, uh, the Rim Shops, all this, they're gearing up for when tax time comes because they know how we're going to spend our money. And that's building up from the top down. No, buy investment, buy these empty buildings. You know, even though they may sit there, buy them. You know what I mean? Invest in things that will matter five to 10 years down the line. Well, you know, that's that's another struggle though, right? Because yeah. unfortunately, some people have to use their tax money to pay off the credit card debt that they just racked that's up true. in the pandemic because yeah. they yeah. weren't getting unemployment right. checks. That's true. That is true. <laughs> so, that, you know, it's true. it's almost like a double-edged sword. And, you know, I've got people my age now, they're, they're buying homes and getting married. And I like look at my bank account and I'm like, hmm. <laughs> I don't have 20% down on a house. I'm still paying off my car. I still have, you know, with something breaks in the condo, it's on me, right? right? Like God forbid the washer go out, like God forbid the AC go out, like those things end up on me. So sometimes it's hard. And, you know, again, that goes back to starting that financial education piece early. Excuse me, people. Brandy, stop. She's talking. (laughs) It, it's got to start early and it's got to be frequent. And we also need to uh, highlight and elevate other opportunities that aren't the norm, so right. to speak. You know, you don't have to be an athlete or lawyer or doctor or a scientist. All of those are great things, yes. but you can be just as strong as a lobbyist. Yes. You can be just as strong as a, um, a, a, a ARMP. You can be just as strong as a physician's assistant. You can be just as strong as a local business owner or, you know, a- a, All parts, pieces to the puzzle. Yeah, a social media manager. So we've we've got to elevate these different ideologies of wealth as well. You know, it's got to be, and also tap into what people want for themselves. I I crave a work-life balance. So you, me too. Oh my so God. you know, being a doctor's probably not for me. Right. I don't want to. I don't want to be on call. Right, right, right. But like, I like also we said, when we're off on the weekend, I want to be off right. on a weekend. That's right. But like, right. I'm also at a point now where I'm getting ready to really shift my social work into a full time job. Like, this is what I want to do the rest of my life: is fight for a better world. Right. And. I'm saving and working so that when I shift into another opportunity, even if it doesn't pay as much, I'm fulfilled because it's something that I absolutely care about and want to do. And I, I think we had this discussion. You can see that. I can see that in you. And I remember when yoga, you, you were doing teacher training and I'm like, God, she's young, you know? And I'm like, she can't be no more than 17. You know, now she's going to be a yoga teacher. And when you graduated, you know, your teacher training, and all of a sudden you started teaching, I'm like, when did she grow up? You know, <laughs> this is like, that's the call. It's like, okay, you know, and it's, it's like you just hit the ground running. And we need that uh, for this world, for this, con- for this country, excuse me, for this community, for this country, for the world. Because right now it is a 
it is a fight between good and bad. Yeah. And it is a, and the people who are in power now, they see it. Mm-hmm. And, and they're, they're going to do, they're going to hold on they're to it for hold, dear life. And that's what these voting laws, these protesting laws are for, because they're seeing that the revolution is being televised. Very much so. Yes. And we've got some kick-ass people yes. leading it up. I mean, I cannot tell you how full my heart gets going when I have the time to go to these protests yeah. and how full my heart gets when my little, my she's almost like my little sister, mm-hmm. you know, class president in her high school and an activist in her own right, not even 18 years old yet. You know, like we're, we're on shaking. the precipice. Right. We're on the precipice. And what we've got to do is really build that bench. Yes. And, you know, we've got to start creating these succession plans that make sense. So if somebody taps me and says, Nicole, I want you to run again. I want you to run for this. Okay, great. Let's do it. I'm elected. Who's coming next? next. Right. Who's, Who's next? next? Put them next to right. me so they can watch and right. see, provide input, provide, you know, a, a face and a voice so they can take this on next. Yeah, because you think about it. It's the same thing with building a sports team. That player is only going to be around for so long. They're always that 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 owner of that team is like, okay, who's the next greatest thing coming? Mm-hmm. So we need to think that on a social issue. Okay, Miss Brandy, that's just the wind blowing. Brandy, hold on, sweetie, we're almost done. Okay, but um, gosh, um, but yes, this is this is what we need, and uh, like I said, a lot of people see that in you. And I know I do, Sharif, you know, our friends, we see that leadership in you and you're strong. You're definitely strong. And, but during an election, I seen the toll it could take on people. It's a lot. It's not for the faint of heart. It is not for the faint of heart. And the things that you have to deal with, oh my God, it's, um, it's almost like, God, is it worth it? But yes, yes it is. Yes. It is. Yes. And I it, will. I would, if the opportunity came yeah. along, I would do it again in a heartbeat because I've dealt with what happened. Right. Right. And what's in front of me is right. so much more important than what's behind me. But the thing is, too, where else is strong, your support system That's has right. to be even stronger. That's right. That's right. And we, as people who want change, like I said, my time has passed for you know, doing things, but not my voice has it. And what I want for my kids, for you, for my grandkids, it's important to me. And to have someone like you out there fighting, I know our future is good. And we need more Nicole Hams out there. And we need our strong young black men out there. And for some reason, and hopefully we can do another podcast, where are we? And that's what me and Sharif were talking about. Where are our black men? And I mean, we're out there. We're we're grinding and we're doing that. And maybe that's the way we have to support now because I will never, never tear down a black woman who's trying to come up or any woman because I love women of people of all color, races, whatever. I don't care if you're gay that's or right. whatever. I just want some, I just want good people in our lives. So I'm gonna give you the last few minutes of anything. We didn't get to talk about music, but she'll be back. And I, you know, we do have this discussion, the impact on the community, um, the black community of music. But 
I'm gonna let you have the floor for the last three minutes. Anything you want to discuss? Yeah, I just, I, I just can't emphasize enough about being engaged in your own right, being civically mm -hmm. aware in your own right. And it doesn't have to be everything. You don't have to watch every meeting or speak at every event, but like you, you should have an idea of what's going on. And if you don't get close to someone that does, right. Um, you know, this community works in numbers. Strength is in numbers. When you have the more people speaking out or speaking for, more likely you are to get that result. And, um, you know, don't be afraid to be afraid. <laughs> <laughs> right. Don't be afraid to be afraid. You know, when you take that step of just launching into the unknown, whether that's lending your expertise to mentees or running for office or starting a podcast. Like, mm. don't be afraid to take that step because where you are is where people need you. And I think that's what the pandemic has taught all of us is that we've created these spaces of where we should be rather than just being right where we need to be. Need to be. And, you know, we, we've got to get past all of that. And we've got to just be with the things that we're up to and not fight it <laughs> and yeah. not fight it and not try to put our own ideologies ahead of it. Okay. And it's powerful to know that the people have the power and what the people want. It may not come to fruition that day, right. but it will. It will. And if the people want someone in power that's going to do right by them, put them there. If the right. people want to see more things like this, keep protesting. If the people want to make sure that we're able to do A, B, C, and D, like keep moving in action, even if it's terrifying. That's what we need. It's like you said, it may be terrifying because I know you were probably nervous when you did it when you filed and I mean, you just took the steps and you was like, I'm like, dang, she said she was going to run the next thing, you know, bang, bang, bang campaign. It's like, okay. But like I said, we need you and I appreciate you love you. And I hope the best. And, uh, I know you're going to come back because we course. got, we got a lot to, cause I, I want a little round table with you, me, um, the owner of our yoga studio and various other people just talk about social issues. So with that, people, we're going to end the show and I thank you for listening. Make sure you pass along uh, about this podcast and uh, if you got any questions, comments, hey, feel free to contact me. So once again, if I'm uncomfortable, I'm Greg Newbill and my guest, Nicole Ham. Thank you very much, people. <laughs>